The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. I think it's time that we become really observant in all that we do. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as surviving in these troubled times, creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I do my best to be a resource as you prepare to protect your family. In this show, I also talk about a wide variety of topics, everything from government corruption to chemtrails. I also feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving, so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studio, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations, WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, on 7490, WTWW, Lebanon, Tennessee, on 5085, and on WRMI, Radio Miami International, Okeechobee, Florida, on 5850. And this show airs on 89.3 FM, Key Radio, in Osage Beach, Missouri. This show is also available on demand as a podcast on Podpoint, Red Circle, Spreaker, Podbean, and Podomatic. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith, and I invite you to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for joining me. I sure appreciate it. Well, this episode is going to be eclectic, meaning I have a lot of topics. I'm going to be all over the map, and that's kind of normal for my shows. But I've had several things happen as far as personally, and I've learned some things by just doing my research that I wanted to pass along. And I wanted to talk about some off-grid things as well today. I'm going to start out by talking food safety. And this isn't the kind of food safety that you normally hear. This is food safety that you're hearing only from me. Right now, people are prepping, as they should. And people are buying all sorts of 
things that they could put in their pantries and in their storage. But it's come to my attention, through personal experience, that there is something going on with our food. I don't know what it is. I'll explain just exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm really concerned. And so be very careful in how you spend your money as far as prepping for food. Now, traditionally, food goes bad after it expires. And the expiration date is generally pretty lenient. And they usually put an expiration date that actually it'll expire two or three months before the product goes bad, other than milk and things like that. But it seems that when things used to go bad, they tasted dry or stale, maybe moldy. Maybe they were just really hard, like a piece of jerky that is way outdated, is about like trying to bite into a bar of steel. And maybe if something had oil in it, the oil is a bit rancid and tastes old. But by no means will that harm you. Most of the things I'm talking about, except the mold, of course, that could harm you. But just tasting bad or the texture being off because being too dry. Like everybody has had a loaf of bread that they had a heel or a couple of slices left at the end of that loaf, and as you pull them out to put them on your sandwich, well, you have choice. Either have kind of a stale bread sandwich or throw that out and get another loaf of bread. And that's generally the extent of it. And I've lived long enough. I've tasted about every kind of stale and every kind of expired grocery taste you can taste. But there's a new taste out. There's a new flavor. And the first time I encountered it, I was incredulous. Because when the food expires, it doesn't just taste rotten or stale or crunchy or what have you. But this food, and it was a candy bar, tasted like what I would imagine if you would taste lighter fluid or paint remover with formaldehyde. Extremely toxic taste, kind of a poison gas type of a taste, kind of an aftertaste. Very unpleasant. You take one little nibble of that, you just throw it away. And at first I thought, well, there must have been something in that recipe of that candy that as it broke down chemically, that it actually separated in some chemical that was necessary in the production of this candy, but by itself was pretty nasty. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then two days ago, I bought some trail mix, and it was nuts and Chex Mix type things and crackers. And that's generally pretty safe. And it was right at the expiration date. It was on sale. And so I bought it because it was on sale because I'm a tightwad. But I took one bite. And what did I taste? Paint thinner mixed with formaldehyde. It was exactly the same very nauseous flavor that I got from the candy bar 
that was expired, that I did not know was expired. And then just today, I had to go in and buy some repairs for my baler, and they had a six-pack of donuts, and it was right at the expiration date. Matter of fact, it has like one week to go before it's officially past its best-if-used-by date. But that used to be what that meant, best-if-used-by. It didn't mean that it was automatically going to go bad at that date. It was just wasn't going to be as good. Well, I opened the package, and I should have smelled the donuts, but I didn't. And I took a bite, and what did I bite into? Paint thinner and formaldehyde. Very strong. Now, I did not eat the trail mix. I gave it to the dogs, seeing if they would even try it. and They didn't. They winced and went away. And I didn't offer the dogs these donuts because they had some chocolate on them, so I just threw them away. I would have went back to the store if I would have had time and told them they needed to pull them off the shelf, but I had to get back to the field, and so I just headed on my way. But there has to be something going on. All the years I've been alive and all of the good food as well as bad food that I've eaten, I've never experienced that before. And so this is a guess. It's not fact. But I do suspect that the powers that be in the big food industry, as far as the processors, are adding something into the food to where when the food sits on the shelf until its expiration date, that it's no longer edible in any way, shape, or form. I don't know if the stuff is toxic. It sure tastes like it's deadly. It's very, very bad. It's very strong. And I don't know if anyone else has had the misfortune of tasting this taste. But if you take a bite and say, well, I think I could stomach another bite, it seems like that second bite almost doubles the amount of formaldehyde and paint thinner kind of a feeling you get. It's very chemical. And after you eat it, it will try to come back up as far as a gas, and you will be basically burping formaldehyde and paint thinner. Very, very unpleasant. And so as you are prepping, be very careful that you don't buy store brand just over-the-counter from a big corporation. I'm not going to name corporations here because all three products I had were from different corporations. But they all had the same, exact same taste. And how could a donut, a candy bar, and a nut-based trail mix all have the exact horrible flavor of paint thinner and formaldehyde? How could that be possible? Because the chemical makeup of all three products are totally different. So there has to be a common denominator. It has to be something they're adding to our food. And I don't want you to be panicked over this. I just want you to be careful. And don't buy food that has short shelf life and store it away. Now, I'm not a big proponent of buying the survival foods. But I am going to tell you this, if you're spending money on 
your store brand crackers and cookies and things like that, thinking you could store them away, I really would think twice about that. I think that you need to invest in a product that is not going to harm you down the road. And I do believe that whatever chemical is going into these foods, from first-hand experience that I've had, I would have to say that they're toxins of some sort. And so just be really careful as you prep. Another topic I want to talk about today is the massive increase of chemtrails. And there are still people out there that think chemtrails are conspiracy theories, and I sure wish those people would get up to date. They're the same people that still say that Kennedy's assassination, that there were extra gunmen, is still a conspiracy theory. It's been proven time and time again that the assassin's window was not the angle of shot that killed the president. I watched a very in-depth documentary about it, and using the video evidence that they had of the president getting shot, which is very unpleasant, it's obvious that he was shot from the front. And you might say from the front, well, how did the shooter get away with it? The shooter had a clear line of sight from being under the road. There was a rain gutter that the shooter shot from. Those were the fatal shots. You might say, well, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, look at the evidence and then come back and make that statement. In the same way with chemtrails. I was coming back from an event that I was performing, and this was last Saturday. And Nebraska's panhandle was absolutely inundated with the most horrendous chemtrail, I don't want to call them clouds, you know what I'm talking about. It's after a chemtrail spreads out and becomes a quasi-cloud, I guess what you would call it. As far as the eye could see, and it looked like the chemicals were just raining down. Very sickening. And so we have an increase here of the frequency and also the intensity of the chemtrails that are being sprayed. And I know that I've been out bailing hay. I'm still trying to get done. And I'm still stuffy. I'm still fighting things in my sinus. But every day I'm out breathing these chemtrails. And it used to be very pleasant. You go out on a nice, warm, sunny day. And you breathe the fresh air. It's traditionally been very healthy. But now you go out on a nice, warm totally blue sky, then here comes the jets, and here comes the chemtrails, and then several hours later, you have trouble breathing, you're stuffy, you have things in your throat that you have to clear your throat all the time. All of that's connected, and it seems like we have an increase. And I wonder if anyone out there is noticing the increase of chemtrail activity. I am thoroughly convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I could be wrong, I will very much admit that, but you'd have to really convince me that I'm wrong, but I'm convinced that there is such a war on mankind right now, 
as a mass extinction event that it's just absolutely astronomical how many billions or trillions of dollars are being spent to basically eliminate us. Right now we have convoys of all sorts of military vehicles that are loaded onto trains. And I saw a video of a train that was in Kentucky, and it looked like it was an entire division. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, was an entire division moving, and they were headed east. And I've noticed here at my local armory, I have to drive by the National Guard armory several times a week. And it used to be that every once in a while you'd have a car or two in the parking lot. And now every time I go by, there's 10 or 15 cars in the parking lot. So they're having meetings all the time. And that's not only at night, they're meeting during the day. So there's something up there in the armory that I go by. They're truck drivers. Their unit is a support unit, so they're in transportation. But it seems like there's an awful lot in the air. We have an awful lot of threats, and we have an awful lot of people choosing sides as far as China has come out and said that they're going to support Iran. and You know that Russia will support Iran. And since Iran has been named by Israel as a country they are going to attack. It would not surprise me one bit if Iran attacks first. And you might say, well, they wouldn't dare attack Israel. Well, they would if they had China and Russia over their shoulder, watching out over them. It's kind of like when little brother goes and picks a fight because he knows big brother's right behind him. And so there's an awful lot we have to look at there. And Pakistan and India are starting to fight over border crossings. This world is just insane. And then you take into account what I told you at first about that food going bad in such a horrible way. It's like they're trying to cut off the pass, so to speak, to every avenue we have for survival, they are making sure that that avenue is either shut down or restricted. And we have our government that's rattling their sabers and trying to bluster and sanction and bully. But yet, this same group of people have no contingency plan for you or me. We have no bomb shelters. We have no medicines that are being passed out to the people as far as for anti-radiation. We're all on our own. They won't tell us that, but we are. We're just all alone. But yet they're going to pick the fight, and we're the ones who are going to have to suffer the consequences. Now, through the last year and a half, I've been talking about Faraday cages and Geiger counters and storing food and storing water and getting all your things in order, getting your life just totally in order. And I know people are getting sick of hearing the same thing week after week. And believe me, I'm sick of saying the same things because I'm the type of guy, once I say it, it's been said, even though I have new audience members all the time. 
I don't like to revisit things that often. But I am going to say this, and I don't think that I'm unique. I've been prepping so long that I have been lax over the last probably six months. I've been kind of sick of the whole thing. I'm sick of the prepping. I'm sick of the studying and learning about all these evil people that want to kill everyone. I just want to be left alone. That's all I want. Just leave me alone. But I know that I don't have that luxury. I have to continue my research. And I need to redouble my efforts in prepping. Because the chances of me needing all the things I'm going to prep is growing exponentially every day. When you have Russia that is denouncing and getting out of all their nuclear testing treaties, and you have North Korea with nukes wanting to use them, and Russia with nukes wanting to use them, and we have an awful lot of countries that I frankly don't trust. And unfortunately, the leadership in the United States is almost at the top of the list. And that little creep up in Canada, that Trudeau, I don't trust him at all either. And of course, you can't believe a word that Vladimir Putin says or this Zelensky character in Ukraine. I'm firmly on the side of we the people, and I'm talking about the common people of the world. I'm firmly in that camp. And all these people that consider themselves leaders or rulers or elites or whatever they want to call themselves, these people are evil, and they're going to stop at nothing to get their goal of depopulating the earth. That's why I say you have to keep your eyes wide open and really use discernment on every decision you make. I guess a good way to put it is the world is moving so fast right now that we need to do the opposite of what the world is doing. If the world is moving at hyperspeed, I think we need to slow things down and so we can get a handle on things that pertain to our own lives. You need to take care of you. And if you jump on this merry-go-round of hyperspeed, hypersonic speed, I should say, that the world is disintegrating, it's real easy for us to get just totally depressed and also ineffective in how we make our plans. But if we can put the brakes on everything, at least slow it down to where we can understand and deal with things one at a time and not be chasing the crisis of the moment, if you think there's a clear and present danger, and you thought so two weeks ago, well, I imagine that that clear and present danger is still there, even though there's probably 10 or 15 more clear and present dangers that have reared up their heads in that last two weeks. You can't just keep off balance like that. So you have to slow things down and just assimilate everything, think it over, get your head around it, and then act accordingly. And don't just be like a dog chasing its tail. I think that's another part of the PSYOP is to try to overload us with information and overload us with crisis overload us with evil, because people can only take so much, and then they start to snap. And I don't want anybody that listens to this show to get to that point. I hope that 
my advice to you kind of calms down your spirit and soothes you a little bit to where you're not so nervous and you don't feel so trapped. But there are millions of people worldwide that feel totally trapped, and some of them are, and we might be amongst those that are trapped and just don't know it yet. But that still should not keep us from taking care of what we need to take care of. And so I would advise everyone just to slow things down, assimilate it, and deal with it as it comes. I'm going to get back onto the world events here for the remainder of this portion of the show. In the second half, I'm going to talk about off-grid topics as well as probably several rabbit trails back to what I'm going to talk about here. Do you realize that we have multitudes of countries, their armies are all deployed, they've all been called up, I was watching a video of the Canadian prepper, and in the background he had the Egyptian army that was posturing. And there must have been several miles of the most modern military equipment that you could imagine, and most of it was made by the United States for the United States Army. And it seems that Egypt has a lot of our latest armor and ammunition and delivery systems. And Israel has been shooting at and hitting outposts of Egypt. They say it's by mistake, but it happens once. It might be a mistake, but the other time, I'm not sure. And so Egypt has called their army up. And you might laugh at some of these countries, but they've been using their wealth over the last 20 years to gather quite an army. And if you look at Saddam Hussein's army and say, well, we were able to handle the Iraqis real easy. Well, that was Saddam Hussein, that was Iraq, and also that was in another era. We've changed. The world has changed since we invaded Iraq, and frankly, the Arab countries and the Islamic countries saw how Iraq was invaded and saw how they were treated and didn't like it, and so for the last 20 years, they've been outfitting themselves out to fight who? The United States and Israel. And for 20 years, they've been training and gathering all sorts of intel and the latest weapon system, and they've also been trading with Russia to get some of Russia's best systems that they have. And, of course, all of these countries trade with China, and I'm sure they have some of China's best technology as well. Now, the size of their army isn't that great, but if you take the armies of Syria and Jordan and Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Turkey, which I think Turkey will definitely join the Islamic nations if there is a war that breaks out, And Turkey, I believe, has the largest army in that area. And so while they're not as large as the United States Army or our military, when you combine them, plus if they have both Russia and China watching over their shoulder, making sure that they're not defeated, 
Well, that's a whole other story. And as I record this, all of our aircraft carriers have steamed out to sea, or shall I say deployed, they're not steamers, but they've deployed, and they're all headed for the hot spots. And it seems like the United States is going to flex their World War II muscle. Say, look at these aircraft carriers, which are awesome, by the way. The capabilities are just astounding. And they're like a floating city. They're just wonderful as far as how they're put together. And just the whole experience of an aircraft carrier has to be just awe-inspiring. But we're in the age of hypersonic missiles and drones and unmanned type of bombs that can be steered. We have loitering munitions that can loiter up in the sky for a long time before they decide to bring it down. And so you have people that might be in some office building somewhere 500 miles or 5,000 miles away from our ship, but yet they're controlling different drones and other type of war machines that will be waging war on our aircraft carriers. And frankly, sending these aircraft carriers, I think, is going to be about as effective as sending battleships. I think that era is over. Now, the aircraft that are based on the aircraft carriers are awesome. Their capabilities are just wonderful. But that is a floating runway. And the runway itself is nothing but an easy target. They might be heavily defended with all sorts of anti-missile defenses and anti-aircraft and anti-everything. But if they get swarmed with hundreds of suicide drones and other things and maybe cruise missiles and, heaven forbid, the Kinzhal missile that I don't think we can intercept, I have a feeling that our Navy could be wiped out in just a matter of hours. I think technology has really changed. And I think that the way the United States has had their diplomacy over the years, that it's either our way or the highway, and you either do what we say or we're going to sanction you, all of that is going to come home to roost and backfire on us. And I just have a feeling that there's an awful lot of countries around the world that secretly are hoping that the United States starts something or something starts something with us, and so we can take one heck of a hit. And I think we have people pouring across the southern border. I think we have sleeper cells and all sorts of evil people. And I've noticed that even in my town here, there's dozens of young men that do not speak English. Most of them speak Spanish, but there's just dozens of young men just hanging around, have nothing to do. They're not looking for work. They're just hanging around. And I find it very odd that such a large amount of young military-aged males have crossed our southern border. So I think we're in a world of hurt. Well, in this half of the show, I want to be talking about survival and some prepping, and also some off-grid living. But before I do, I want to thank all the people who are listening on WTWW. I've been hearing from quite a few of you, and I'm really happy to be on WTWW. I do want to say this to those that are listening to that frequency, which is 5085. 
WTWW ceased operation here about a year ago. And Bob Bierman is doing his best to resurrect all of the WTWW frequencies. But we're going to have to hear from you. Both Bob Bierman at Truth to Ponder and myself, we need to hear from you, not only just a reception report, but we would love to hear from you as being a contributor to keep these shows on the air. And so if you'd like WTWW to continue on the airwaves, it's vital that you respond. Because if we don't get the response, well, Bob Bierman is not going to be able to afford to keep this up indefinitely. And so we desperately need partners to keep WTWW on the air. And I know I've been getting quite a few people. I appreciate that. And so I would ask that you email me at jim at offgridliving.faith and tell me you're listening on WTWW. And I would also appreciate if you would send me a little donation. That would help. But more than sending me a donation for WTWW, I would appreciate it if you would send Bob Bierman a donation other than me, because Bob Bierman is the one that is footing the bill for WTWW. And Bob Bierman's email address is bob at truthtoponder.com. And so all the folks on WTWW, we sure need you. Well, it seems that the price of ammunition is just going through the roof. And it might be really hard for you to restock or stock up in the first place on certain styles of ammunition. And I don't know the percentage that ammunition has gone up, but it's astronomical. And so I think you need to look at some alternative ways to have self-defense that include weapons that have either less expensive ammunition or more plentiful ammunition. And one of those things would be a 12-gauge shotgun. And so I would definitely have a shotgun in my arsenal. And I'm not going to advocate that you saw off the shotgun and make it illegal, but in your state, you need to find out what is legal and find a shotgun that you don't mind altering and stay legal. But you might want to consider having something that's really easy to grab and easy to use in tight space, and that would sure do the trick. Especially if you get a double-barreled or a pump-action shotgun. I think that that might be some way that we can defeat some of the high prices of ammunition. And if you don't reload, you might want to get set up so you can reload. And of course, if you do that, get enough of your supplies that where you can reload lots and lots of ammunition. Because I have a feeling that if you can reload and your neighbor can't, well, you may be able to reload for your neighbor and his neighbor and the neighbor after that. And so I really think you need to have some family protection. And a lot of people, such as Art, have sent me quite a few emails and letters telling me that I should be talking more about 
weapons that are silent, such as bows and arrows, crossbows, machetes, swords, daggers, blowguns. I've had a lot of things suggested to me. And I would say that it would be a good idea to have what I used to call a wrist rocket, slingshot, that you can shoot either small rocks or ball bearings. And and I spent hours target practicing with a wrist rocket. And yes, you can get proficient with one. But, as with any other slingshot, the more you use it, the more stress fractures happen within the band that stretches. And so, if you do have a wrist rocket or some sort of slingshot, make sure you get extra elastic bands or whatever you're going to be using, rubber, because you're going to be wearing those out as you practice. And I've never had any contact with a crossbow. But it seems that a crossbow is probably the deadliest non-gunpowder weapon that was ever devised. They're extremely powerful. They're pretty fast to load. They're more accurate. And I don't know how much more power they have than a longbow or a regular bow. I would imagine that a good elk bow or deer bow would have actually more power than a crossbow. But something about the crossbow's tension, the amount of pounds per square inch that they're able to get to before they release is just amazing. I don't know what this world is coming to. I really don't. But I ask myself, does it look like it's heading in the right direction? And my answer is no, it's not. And so I would have all of the above. I would have a nice club. I'd have a nice machete or a sword. I'd have a dagger. As a matter of fact, I got from Scotland a dirk when my son and my daughter-in-law got married in Scotland. And this dirk is worn, and the dirk was used by the Scots more than the claymore sword because the claymores were large and clumsy. They were very effective. But if you had someone in close combat, the dirk was much handier. And so a dirk is basically a dagger that's about a foot long. And so I have my dirk ready. And I have a few machetes. And of course, shotgun and rifle. And I've kind of got the gambit of things that I need to have. I don't have a bow. I don't have any arrows. I don't have a crossbow. I don't have a blowgun. But I think that any of those things can be used for self-defense. I don't know what kind of food riots are going to happen. I do know that I live close enough to 24,000 people that if those 24,000 people get hungry, I'm only four miles away with my herd of cows. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination for you to conjure up some images of what I'm going to have to go through to protect my herd. And if you think I can protect my herd from hungry people with what I have, no, I can't. And so I have a contingency plan that I've been working on where I can try to save my animals if the worst case scenario happens. And I'm pretty happy with my plan. I have, I'd have to be very careful, but I think that I can at least 
hold out for quite a while and have my animals in a situation where I can defend them with the simple weapons that I have. But it seems that everything is just breaking loose all over the world. And all it's going to take is the trucks to quit rolling. That's all it's going to take. Or the trains to stop. Or the economy to collapse. And with the players we have on the world stage right now, where you have Warren Buffett, who I don't trust, and Bill Gates, who I don't trust, and our government, which I don't trust, and the corporations, which I don't trust, there's just way too much can happen that can just absolutely destroy us, and I don't want to see that happen. But I think that you should have personal protection. I think it should be something you're comfortable with, something you can practice with. And probably the biggest thing I'm going to say about personal protection is if you're not planning on using it, don't pull it out. Don't wave a gun or a knife or whatever to try to protect your family. Don't don't wave things around. I can't remember which one of the Spaghetti Western trilogy movies this is from the good the bad the ugly a few dollars more fistful of dollars one of the three where eli wallach i can't remember the name of his character but the actor is eli wallach is in a bathtub and this guy that's all shot up from a year or two earlier shows up and tells eli wallach that he finally got him in a vulnerable situation and that he was shot up real bad a couple years ago, and he couldn't wait to get revenge. And so he was going to get revenge on Eli Wallach because he was in the bathtub. And Of course, Eli Wallach has a newspaper in front of him, and he had a gun behind that, and he blows the guy away. And as the guy lays there dying, he says, If you come to talk, talk. If you come to shoot, shoot. And I think that's really a great line for a movie. And if you're just going to wave something around thinking that it's going to deter people, likely what's going to happen is you're going to wave something around and they're going to know real soon that you're not going to use it. So they're simply going to take it away from you and use it on you. And so if you do not intend to use a weapon to protect yourself or your family, just leave them where you have them. Don't even get them out. So therefore, I think you need to train. Learn how to use them. Be willing to use them. And I think you need to get it in your head. You need to think it all through. And you need to be able to do what you need to do in the time it needs to be done. Because we're living in a very high-stakes world. We're not going to get a second chance. And you don't want to be rash or hasty. You don't want to shoot someone that's showing up to your door to ask for directions. So don't be trigger happy. But if someone shows up with a gun or they're armed or a mob and they're going to burn you out, they're going to harm your family, they're going to steal everything you have, they're going to invade your home, well, you're going to have to know in your mind when it's time to take action. So I think you need to really seriously think about that and be prepared. 
and just hope that that time never comes. Well, I have my good friend Catherine, who always has a great garden, and she gave me squash. And I'm going to make sure that those get preserved. Now, squash, you can preserve them by just storing them in a nice, medium-warm, not too warm, not too cold, just kind of a, I would say, temperate place that's dry. A lot of squash can last all winter, but I'm going to can some of this. And so that's going to be a first. And I'm going to have another friend help me can them. And it's going to be quite an ordeal trying to learn how to do that. But I think that that's one thing that I need to stress more than anything else is that if you need something done and you don't know how to do it, now is the time to gain that skill set. I've never canned squash before. So it's time to learn. I know a lot of people that don't know how to change oil in their cars. They just go to a service and have them do it, and that's how they change their oil. Well, it's time you learned. A lot of people don't like to get their hands dirty. Well, it's time to get your hands dirty. A lot of people think that they quit learning when they graduated from high school or college. And I would hate to have the knowledge I had back when I was that age. I'd be dumber than a box of rocks. Almost everything I've learned, I've learned by myself without any formal education. And I never quit learning. I learn something every day. And that's the way we all need to be. I like to wake up every morning with a little bit more knowledge than I had the day before. And so you might say I collect knowledge. That doesn't make me smarter, but it does make me more capable of being self-sufficient. And so, each and everything that you do not know how to do, but it's something that you do need done, learn how to do it. If you have things welded from time to time, and you don't have a welder, and don't know how to weld, find someone to teach you how to weld, or go to night school, or whatever it takes. Learn how to weld. If you don't know how to garden, Same thing. Find someone to teach you how to garden. Read pamphlets, watch videos, whatever it takes. Learn how to do it. If you don't know how to sew, learn how to sew. If you don't know how to cook, learn how to cook. Learn how to can. And we need to do these things and hope that we never have to use this knowledge, but gaining more knowledge is never a bad thing. And as far as food preservation is concerned, almost everything in nature is turned into jerky. If you'd ever stop and think about it, like potato chips, nothing more than potato jerky. Honey is nothing more than flour jerky. And everything else that is dried out to be preserved is nothing but jerky. And I think that's probably the best way to store things long term is to either freeze dry or naturally dry or dehydrate or if you have a dehydrator. But I think that you need to be an expert at making jerky out of everything. You need to be able to dry carrots and celery and potatoes and what have you. Back years ago a staple was dried fruit They used to sell fruit in barrels that were dried apple fruit that were full of dried apple slices. 
They did the same thing with peaches and and other fruit. We need to get back to that. That way we don't have to rely on electricity or refrigeration, and things could be stored in an airtight container, and they could be stored in lots of different places. And so I would become an expert at dehydrating things. I think that's going to be vital as well. Now, whether or not you ever have to use the knowledge that you gain, that's immaterial. You can always pass that knowledge on to someone else. And if you know how to do something that you really don't have to do it, but you have a neighbor or friend that is desperate, that needs to do it, well, you could be that person to step in and save the day for them, at least by giving them the information they need. We're living in a very weird world where it seems like the strongest people are also the evilest. seems like the evil people have all the money. They have control of the governments. They have control of the airwaves as far as the media. They have control of the schools. They have control of the food supply. have control of the medicine. But we can have control over our lives, and we can have control over helping other people. And it is really time that we all get together collectively and not rely on anything that these evil people have. Just stay out of their system. This whole system, I consider it the beast system. And the Bible is very clear. Get out from it. Get away from it. Stay out of it. I'd say get out and stay out. That's where I am. I'm totally out of the beast system. And I don't do hardly anything that other people do. And very few people do what I do. And I know I'm considered odd and strange by lots of people, but I think that I see things that other people don't. Does that make me delusional? Who knows? But it does make me more prepared. You can hit me with almost anything, and I will have some sort of an answer of how to deal with the problem. Not to say I don't get overwhelmed at times, but it's harder to overwhelm me than it is the average person. And that is how I want all of my listeners. I want them to be able to handle every situation that comes their way. If you can't fix a plumbing leak in your house, learn. If you can't unstop a drain, learn. Literally, you're going to have to learn how to do everything from working under your house and foundational work on up to doing structural work while you're roofing. If you have any rot as far as your underlayment or maybe you have a beam or two that need to be replaced, if you have an old house, you really need to know how to put on siding. You need to know how to lay bricks. And it may seem overwhelming. I'm not saying you need to go out and do any of this, but you need to know how to. And you can use an hour or two every day and look up things online, videos on how to lay bricks or how to roof your house. Then after you understand what the people are saying as far as how they're training you, well, you can go ahead and tuck that back in your memory. And you don't have to physically go out and do these things I'm saying you need to learn how to do. But at least make it to where you're not panicked, to where you're not just dead in the water. 
Now, I'm going to use an analogy that's going to work for me. I hope it works for you. I just got done fixing my old baler. It's made in 1947. And one of the problems it had was that it has a pickup chain that picks the hay up that takes it up to the bale chamber. Well, the pickup chain kept catching on something and stopping for a millisecond. Well, when it stops, the tractor's moving forward and it bunches the hay up. Then when it starts again, it's overloaded. Just in that millisecond, it'll make that chain not work right. Then you have to stop the tractor, back up, get it going again, and then hope that it doesn't catch again, and it'll pick up that bundle of hay that was created by the problem in the first place. Now here's how I'm using this as an analogy. You're not going to want to have anything that's going to stop you if we have a crisis. You're not going to want that chink in the chain, so to speak, that's going to gum everything up. Everything's going to have to go as smooth as it can for you in your life. If you're having trouble getting food and water, medicine, whatever the case may be, you don't need to have everything stopped because something has a chink in it. And so it's really important that everything that you do, as far as learning, has a purpose in your life to where if you have to have something done and you have to have it done right then, or you have to do something as far as plant a garden or whatever that's timely as far as seasonal, you can't have the luxury of stopping. You're going to have to keep moving because if you stop, then you're really putting yourself at risk. That's why I think you need to know everything about your house, everything about your car, about your life in general, as far as everything that you own and hire other people to take care of. You need to learn how to take care of it yourself and do it yourself. You may not do as good of a job, but at least you will be growing and learning, and you'll be saving money and acquiring a new skill. And the only downside is wasted time as you're studying things you may never have to do. But the benefits on the other side, saving the time and the money and saving, maybe saving your roof of your house or what have you, outweighs the hour or two a day that you're going to spend studying. And so the lesser of two evils is studying and learning. And if you do it right, you'll have lots of fun and You'll be able to talk with more people in more in-depth conversations. No matter who you're talking to, you're going to be able to relate. And so there's nothing bad going to come out of your studying and your growth as far as learning to be self-sufficient. Well, I'm going to end the show today by talking about what I talked about a little bit on the first half of the show, and that's world events. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that Israel is openly saying they're going to attack Iran. Iran is openly saying they're going to attack Israel. It might be bluster, but I don't think so. You have Egypt and all these other countries that are mobilizing their armies. You have Pakistan and India shooting it out at their borders. You have governments sending their people, like China, sending one of their high-ranking government members went in front of their, I don't know if it's a parliament or whatever they call that, their 
body of quote-unquote legislators that I think that it's a dictatorship. I don't know what purpose they serve, but this gentleman went in front of them and basically said one sentence that they were going to make sure that Iran wasn't violated. They were going to stand with Iran. So lines are being drawn in the sand, and winter is upon us. And I thought last winter everything was going to go, and I'm going to make that prediction again this year. I hope I'm wrong again. I love when my predictions are wrong. But I'm going to predict that as soon as it gets really cold out, which is going to be very soon, I think we're going to see things escalate way, way, way beyond the point of no return. I think we're there already, but I think once things start popping off, I think we better be watching over our shoulder in our own neighborhoods. We have sleeper cells everywhere, all over the world. World War I was called a world war when it truly wasn't. World War II was called a world war, even though it was a lot more of a world war. I'm going to make a prediction that World War III is going to be just that. I think that every continent is going to feel this war, see this war. Just as World War I changed the world, where 1913 has very little in common with 1919 in anything. And 1939 is very much removed from 1949. Well, I think that 2019 is going to be pretty much where we're going to start the pre-war thought. Whenever this is all over, I think the world is going to be a vastly different place. And so we have to be really flexible. We have to be able to move. I guess the saying is roll with the punches. I think we're going to have to get really good at that. Well, I hope the right people heard this show today. And I ask that you do support this show to keep it on the air. I take checks, money orders, and cash. You'd write to check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You'd mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, everyone stay strong. Stay flexible. Get prepared. Keep your powder dry. And never, ever forget. Replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.